going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode on the Hang the Banner podcast. I hope you're having a good morning, afternoon, night, really whatever time you're listening. I hope it's going great. I'm joined by Kyle Engelberger today. We're going to be talking about the midweek SEC basketball action. Get back to those both Tuesday and Wednesday night for this week and hit all the highlights. And then a little special guest even jumped in to talk about kind of their favorite team and, and how they did. But we'll get to that in there in a little bit. Uh, so we'll just go ahead and start in the order of how they went. Uh, first one was Tuesday night, South Carolina traveling to Ole Miss. These are really just um, two teams that they're not going to make the tournament. They're at the low end of the conference, but it was really one of the more entertaining games so far on the season. Ended up South Carolina getting a road victory 77-74 to in overtime. So Kyle, what are the first kind of general impressions you see from looking at the box score? You know, Colby, this game pretty much was just kind of neck and neck the the whole way as far as stats goes. I mean, neither team shot a whole lot better than the other one. They both shot over 40% from the field. Had same amount of rebounds except for Ole Miss had one less rebound. The only thing that really stands out to me is South Carolina had 12 steals to Ole Miss's six. Now, I don't know how big they capitalized on that. I don't have that stat of how many points off of steals. Uh, but that's the only thing. It really made a difference in this game. I mean, they're two – well-matched teams, you know, neither one's had just a great season. But, I mean, both of them, have, they have a better record than Georgia. So, you know, I mean, they're, they're doing better in that aspect. But they're two very well-even-matched teams and even all the way down the box score. Yeah, so for most of the second half, it was an Ole Miss team that led uh, South Carolina trailing for the majority of it. But they used an 11-3 run right at the end to go up 68-66 to with 25 seconds left. Uh, Jarkel Jorner for Ole Miss tied it up with 1.7 seconds left on a layup at 68, sending it in overtime. Uh, then South Carolina in the overtime period led 74 to 73 with about a minute and a half left. Devin Carter, I believe, uh, put them up for that score, taking the lead. But Nasir Brooks for Ole Miss made one of his two free throws towards the end to tie it at 74 with about a minute or so left. And then, uh, you know, nobody really scored on the next couple of possessions. It was South Carolina taking a timeout with two seconds left, and then they gave us the highlight of the night. Jermaine Cousinard inbounded it to James Reese, who throws it all the way from half court. It's a buzzer beater to win 77-74. So instant reactions on the buzzer beater winning it for this game. Yeah, you know, I mean, a great road win for South Carolina. Uh, You know, I think Ole Miss was kind of the favorite going into it. And uh, just, you know, great to go on the road, go all the way to Mississippi from South Carolina and get a good win in overtime. Yeah, so Ole Miss is technically a whole lot worse in conference. They're 3-10 and 10 in the SEC. South Carolina kind of quietly right around 500 in SEC play. And I really don't, you know, when I think about them, I don't think that they're that high. But they have the same SEC record as the next game we're going to talk about, Florida. I seem to think they're a better team. But they're both 6-7 and seven after Tuesday night's games in SEC play. Florida 16-10, South Carolina's 15-10 overall. But Florida traveled to Texas A&M, and they played an A&M team that had lost eight straight coming in that was reeling, but they kind of blew it there in the end of that game and ended up losing 56-55. to uh, Kind of just early how that game went on. It was a late three-point attempt. Florida had a late lead, and um, Texas A&M was kind of storming back after trying to hit a three-point shot. He was fouled on it. And Texas A&M gets three free throws and hits them all to win by one point. So what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, a 55-56 to 56 win. I mean, there just wasn't many points scored in this game. Both teams shot pretty bad. Uh, Texas A&M only made two. They went two for 18 on three-pointers. And 
Florida threw up a lot more. They threw up 30, but they still only made seven of them. Uh, A&M shot 33% from the floor. And I just really it's hard to win a ball game when you do that. But luckily you had Florida that couldn't make a bucket hardly either. Yeah, so Florida, I think, went about seven and a half minutes in the first pound, first half without scoring a single point. And still somehow only trailed by seven at halftime, 27 to 20. Uh, so it really kind of tells you A&M uh, was clearly a better team. Well, I don't want to say better team. Florida was struggling and it was not their night. But A&M couldn't really put the game away and let them hang around. And eventually let Florida go on a 16-2 run in the second half to take that lead. But even then, once they got it, they didn't want to hang on to it. As Like I said, they had momentum late and up two points with 19 seconds left, fouling a three-point shooter. And from there, it's just free throws that a, you know, a player practices and hits it and comes through and gets A&M their first win in, uh, since they were 15-2, and two, I believe. And you know this win puts them at 16-10, so after eight straight losses. Big win for them. I don't know if I see either of these two teams making the tournament either. Uh, maybe Florida would have a chance if they make a deep run in the tournament, SEC tournament, and uh, you know maybe knock off like an, an Auburn, a Kentucky, a Tennessee, maybe somewhere down the stretch. But really, I don't see either team making the tournament. They don't have many good quality wins. Uh, so if Florida goes on the road, Texas A&M gets a good one-point home win to kind of break their big losing streak. Uh, moving on to the next game of the night, it was Arkansas traveling to Missouri. Arkansas gets a 76-57 to win on the road. Missouri clearly one of the bottom teams in the SEC. They played better at home this season, but to, that game was not one of uh, their better performances, obviously losing by 19. Uh, Arkansas pretty much controlled it the entire time. It was never really close. I think uh, Stanley Mude scored 23 points and hit six of his nine three-pointers. Uh what are your general thoughts on this one? You know, yeah, you never know what team you're going to get with Missouri. And especially at home, they have been playing better, but only putting up 57. Uh, kind of tough for them, tough night. They didn't shoot horribly, but they just, you know, didn't have the best night for them. And Arkansas came out and dropped 76. Not a huge number, but Arkansas's got a pretty good defense. And especially if you've got a cold Missouri coming out, you're going to beat them every time shooting 76. Yeah, well, Arkansas's been hot, and, you know, they lost this past weekend by one point. But other than that one, I think they had won nine straight, including upsetting the number one team in the country. Uh, but they did have a better offensive performance shooting-wise, shooting 49% overall and 52% from three. Missouri only shot 36% overall and 29% from three. I think Missouri's leading scorer was Javon Pickett, who only scored 13 points. But really, it's a Missouri team, and like you said, you really don't know what you're going to get from them night in and night out. They've had really good games at home against good teams, but you know haven't been able to pull it off and think, man, they showed a lot of fight. Another good team comes in, but they you know lose by 19, and it's never really close. But when Arkansas is shooting well, we know they have a good defense. They've been doing it against top-tier teams, and uh, you know they get back on track after a loss Saturday. So moving on to the next game, it's... Kentucky traveled to Tennessee and Knoxville to take on the Vols in a clear revenge game from last time. Uh, Tennessee gets the home win 76-63, 13-point win against Kentucky. And I'm going to bring in a noted Tennessee fan over here to get kind of her thoughts. Caitlin Nunley is going to join and tell us really about what it's like for Tennessee getting a win over Kentucky. What's that like? You know, it feels great. Um, having Tennessee win at Thompson Bowling Arena winning against um, Kentucky's, you know, claim to fame is always a great thing. Right, yeah, especially after the kind of first game of the season when it was at Kentucky. 
Kentucky won 107 to 79 in the season and just blew the doors off. So coming home is great to you know have a big win in front of your fans and not have the same similar performance happen and really it also kind of springboards Tennessee going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, See so in that first matchup, Kentucky scored 32 points off of 20 Tennessee turnovers. They really cut that down in this one. Uh, Kentucky only scoring seven points off of eight turnovers. Uh, and if you've heard me talk about Tennessee kind of at any point throughout the season. My biggest complaint was how good they were on offense, yeah. and we saw them shoot really well. So, uh, Caitlin, how do you think their offense kind of did, you know, turn things around? Oh, they did great. Did great. Yep. That's some groundbreaking analysis right there. <laughs> All right, so... Everything's we, great. <laughs> jump over to Kyle now, so kind of look at some stats. So, what what stands out? Uh, you know, nothing super uh, other than... I mean, Kentucky put up 67 shots, and they shot 34%. Uh, you know, Tennessee was playing some good defense, getting in their face. They had eight blocks uh, versus Kentucky's one block. And, uh, yeah, I think Tennessee was still mad about that first game. They pl- yeah. they played in Kentucky. They hadn't forgot about it. They scored about the same. You know, they put up 76 to – what they put in the first game? 79? 79, yeah. Uh, so, you know, they put up about the same, but they, they played tight defense and held Kentucky to 63, which is kind of a hard job with their offense. Yeah, and I think there was some quote from Rick Barnes was saying that their offense was fine in the first matchup. It was their defense and really kind of sprung off of the turnovers in the first game, and they clearly cut down on those, and they had less opportunities. But their offense, even in the first game, but it's really been picking up here recently on the offensive side. Uh, Vescovy scored 18. Kennedy Chandler scored 17. Both Ziegler and Fulkerson dropped 14. And kind of looking at it, Oscar Shibway for Kentucky, he's going to get his stats. He's too good not to. He had 13 points and 15 rebounds. and But despite that, I really didn't feel like he was as dominant as his usual self is. Not saying he played bad or anything, but normally you'll see him kind of just take over both offensively and defensively. I didn't really think that was the case. Uh, Plavchich for Tennessee, I thought he played a really good game against them. And it was uh, kind of surprising considering their Tennessee's leading rebounder is out for the season now uh, that they were able to do that against him. So I thought they had a great fight, and you can kind of tell Tennessee just wanted it more in this one at home. So Tennessee's now won eight straight SEC games. They did have a loss to Texas by one point kind of sprinkled in the middle there, so it's not an eight-game winning streak. But eight games in conference as both teams are now 10-3, and three, tied for second place in the SEC, kind of chasing Auburn there. But really kind of going forward, looking at the tournament, both clear tournament teams have a chance to win the whole thing in the SEC tournament. But for Kentucky, I'm concerned with uh, Ty Ty Washington's health. He went out with another injury in this one. He missed most of the Auburn game getting hurt in that one. Uh, he got hurt, I believe, against um, LSU, maybe, yeah, right. for the first time. the next game, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ty Ty, you know, I remember during the Auburn game, he, he ran into Walker Kessler, and I, that's – Never a good idea. I'll be honest. I think that was um, that was Severe Wheeler that did that one. Oh, uh, yeah, there was yeah. multiple Kentucky That's players right. that got hurt. Ty Ties was kind of just a rolled ankle stepping on a player's foot, I think. And but Severe Severe Wheeler, he did it again in this one. Uh, I don't know if his teammates just hate him or something <laughs> because he, you know, they're not calling out screens and he just seems to keep running straight into them and getting hurt because that's happened at least two or three times this season. Yeah, you know, the dude's playing hard defense, and uh, you know, I mean, he's pressing hard. And he's got a lot of heart about him, but yeah, his teammates need to help him out and tell him tell him when he's about to run into a brick yeah. wall. Well, I mean, Kentucky's big biggest issue to me is their depth. They really don't play a whole lot of guys. They play the starting five and really kind of rotate seven to eight 
uh, really. But even you know, there's kind of some drop off from their starters even after that. So depending on how far they go deep in the tournament, if they're on and their starters are on and all their players playing well, they can win the whole thing. But if Ty Ty Washington has got health problems, if Severe Wheeler is you know, he's struggling because he keeps running into screens and we're having to play depth guys and just maybe they don't have a great night. Kentucky can go out early. Yeah, I don't – if Kentucky's healthy, they got a chance, but I really don't see him going deep personally. And uh, for Tennessee, I mean, I think their success depends on how far their offense goes. If they can stay shooting uh, the ball and scoring well, then uh, – I think they can go pretty well because their defense is going to keep them in every game. It's just how, you know, does their offense show up. But uh, so that wraps up the Tuesday night games. We go over to Wednesday night. There were three. Uh, Mississippi State traveling to Alabama. We'll start with that one. And this is really a game I thought Mississippi State had to have if they wanted to make the tournament. They're kind of on the outside looking in right now. But uh, their biggest thing is they don't have really many quality wins, uh, especially they haven't won away from home. Or say they haven't won a true road game, uh, neutral site they have, but uh, they go on this one to have a good chance to get against the tournament team in Alabama, but they're not able to do it. They lose 80 to 75. Uh, kind of looking at stats, Javon Quinterly had 21 points and eight assists. Uh, what kind of stood out team wise for that? You know, Mississippi State had a chance in that game. Uh, you know, they were up, and I think Alabama's head coach getting that double tech and getting himself ejected. You know, taking up for his players. I think that really yeah. got the Alabama players fired up and got them kind of in a groove. And, you know, they made the comeback and kept the lead there towards the end. Mississippi State turned into a foul game, uh, and they just couldn't ever get it back. Would have been a good would have been a good win for them to beat Alabama at home. Or, you know, Mississippi State on the road beating Alabama at home. It would have been a great win for their resume. But, you know, they, they shot okay. For, they shot 28% from three. You know, they shot almost 90% free throws. You know, they just couldn't. I mean, they, and they dropped 75. That's not a bad offensive nine. They just couldn't keep Alabama away from the ball. Yeah, so you talked about NATO. It's getting ejected. It's kind of a big point. And, you know, you think getting two technicals, and that's, you know, a total of four free throws for Mississippi State. And it kind of helped Mississippi State take the lead there. Not by a lot, but, you know, enough that you, you kind of feel comfortable with. But, you know, afterwards, after he got, gets thrown out, Alabama in the last seven minutes of the game outscored Mississippi State 16 and nine, turning that kind of a four to five point deficit into a five point win at home. And like I said, it's this was one Mississippi State needed. It was a good opportunity to get those kind of quality wins, another chance for them. And they don't have a lot left, you know, barring a big run in the SEC tournament where you have to beat Kentucky or Auburn, something like that, one of the top teams in the conference. Uh, but they don't get this one, so I don't see them unless they almost make it to the final of the SEC tournament making it in. Alabama, I think they're good to go. They've got enough quality wins, even though they have some uh, kind of weird losses sprinkled in there. But Some weird losses, some struggle wins, if yeah. you will. Like I mean, I don't think this game should have been a five-point game. Yeah. Um, or even that Mississippi State was ahead for a while. I believe uh, the spread was six, and Mississippi State did cover that barely. Yeah, they co- you know covered that by one point. So, and I mean... It's just you got Mississippi State that really needed that win. Alabama didn't necessarily need it, but I think losing it would have hurt them more than well, yeah, yeah, exactly. More, you know, more than anything. When you've got wins against Gonzaga and Baylor and Houston, you're fine in the tournament. But losses like this would hurt your seeding, and that obviously helps your or hurts your chances in the NCAA tournament. But uh, 
you know, they're still looking good. I, they're one of the teams when you look at how far they can go. It depends on their offense, I think, too, when they show up. I mean, you never know how you know what teams are going to show up. So we've seen them knock off great teams, and we've seen them lose to Missouri and Georgia. So we'll see how they end up. But moving on to the probably least entertaining game of the night was LSU hosting Georgia. Georgia, the last-ranked team in the SEC, but LSU gets an 84-65 to home win. We finally got to see some LSU offense in this one. Uh, Xavier Pinson starting to get healthy again. LSU scoring 84. If they can score 84 like that, they're not going to lose many. So what kind of stood out to you in this one? Well, being an LSU fan, it's good to see them finally getting back on track and getting Pinson healthy. Uh, you know, the way Georgia's played and with them beating Bama, I was a little worried going into the game. The spread was, what, 16, I think? Yeah. No. And uh, I thought to myself, no way LSU covers that. And, well, they proved me wrong, but I'm proud of them. And, uh, you know, they shot almost 50% from the field. Uh, they only had – they only made nine free throws. They shot 64% on the free throws. They weren't that great on the line. But uh, all around, they just they shot well. They played well as a team. They played pretty good defense. Did let Georgia score 65, but, I mean, when your offense can drop 84, I'm okay with you letting the opposing team score 65. Well, Georgia has some scores. That's not really their problem. I think it is kind of stopping people. And, I, you know, I was kind of always worried, you know, you've got this LSU team that can't find ways to score going up against a team that can't stop anybody. So, didn't really know how that would play out. But LSU finally kind of got the ball rolling. The, and a lot of it came off of their defense. They forced 15 turnovers in the first half. They had a 20-2 first half advantage in points off turnovers. And then I scored them in the paint 26-2. So, And that was all in the first half where they only led by 16 at halftime. I say only because it's Georgia, and it probably could have been a whole lot more if LSU was a better shooting team. But Yeah, well, I mean, you've got Darius Days who, uh, I mean, he missed – Missed a couple of threes early, couldn't yeah. hit them. And in the paint, they would get a rebound, get a putback, still would miss. Kind of what they've been doing all season. But they kind of they, they managed to get it figured out last night. And they did force 26 turnovers. Yeah. Um, you know, LSU's defense is no doubt their strength, and that proved last night. And it kind of – you can see how LSU can perform if their offense helps their defensive side when they come out and they can actually capitalize on what their defense does for them. I think they shot 49% overall. And, you know, scoring 84 points. I know it's Georgia, and I know probably some of those turnovers that are forced were kind of on Georgia's talent level there, and it's, you know, a big difference. But still, you shoot well. Xavier Pinson's starting to get healthy and all that, and he kind of leads their offense. So if LSU's offense can keep up, they can go pretty far as well. Uh, some of those losses might have hurt their seeding if, you know, over their losing stretch that they had, it kind of hurt how high they could be. But really, they, you know, injury troubles you can't really help. And if you start getting to go, you know, pretty well with everybody getting back to health, then maybe they can jump that up. I think they're about a five to six seed kind of projected right now. So we'll see how far they can kind of go. Well, I hope we get for either a six or a four. I don't, I don't want to be that five seed, dreaded, to be honest. Dreaded five, five seed upset, yeah. If you've ever made a March Madness bracket, you know exactly what we're talking about. Then we'll move on to the last game of the night. It was Vanderbilt and Scottie Pippen Jr. traveling to uh, the number two ranked Auburn Tigers. It was a 94 to 80 home win for Auburn, but really that doesn't you know you think a 14 point win is about what you expect. I think that was the line uh, at tip. Yes, yes, yeah, at tip it was 14. 14. Earlier in the day, I believe it was 13 and a half. Yeah. So depending on when you got it, I guess. Yeah. 
but so you think that's what was expected, but it didn't start off like you expected. Vanderbilt opened up the game eleven to nothing to start. Well, Auburn Auburn early couldn't really control Pippen. He was uh, running around doing what he does. They figured out how to control him. You know, kind of got some guys in his face and um, made him get the ball out of his hands, and that really helped him. And to be honest, when you shoot fifty eight percent from the field and you shoot fifty fifty percent from three. You're gonna be hard to beat. Like I, I don't care who you are. I don't care how. Yeah. I don't care what your defense looks like. Really, you're gonna be hard to beat. Yeah. So I mean, I thought Vanderbilt did a whole lot well in that one. And if maybe they were playing a different team, they could have got a good road victory. And I thought they've been playing well recently. But Jabari Smith had a season high 31 points. He made seven three pointers. And when you have that, and you even overshadow Walker Kessler. You know, you don't even think that he did that much. No, he had a season-high 22 points. So when you've got those guys combining for about 53 from their front court, just their starters there. I mean, you've got those two guys combining for over half the points and both of them getting a season-high. Jabari Smith getting a career-high since his first year in college and probably his last year. I know you don't want to hear that, being an Auburn fan, but that's just the truth of it. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, Scotty Pippen, he did play really well. He scored 29 as well, so he was only two back from Jabari Smith, but he really drives the Vanderbilt offense as a whole, especially with Rodney Chapman being out with an injury. Hopefully that's not a season-ending one, uh, But so we'll have to wait and see on that one. But scoring 29 and uh, you know played very well. You know, Starting early, they led the majority of the first half, but like you said, they ran into Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler going nuts in the second half, and Really, Auburn as a team, they made 17 of their 24 shots in the second half, which is 70%, which is insane. If you shoot 70% and a half, you're not going to lose many. Yeah, that's good. I mean, you know, when you got big man Walker and Jabari, he's, what, 6'10"? Yeah. Uh, you know, they had nine blocks as a team. Uh, I don't know what they individually had, but nine blocks as a team. And, you know, several more disruptions of shots between those two. And, like I said, you know, Pippen's going to get his stats. He is. He's he's a great player. He's gonna do it, but he's a he's but you know a man by himself can't yeah. can't keep a team can't lead a team to a victory. I mean yeah. he can in a sense, but he can't do it all himself. And he didn't have that much help last night. Yeah, and his biggest help on the offense man is Roddy Chapman, who is out with the hamstring injury. But I'll also point out one last thing on that one was uh, how good Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler is. Wendell Green Jr. was one assist and three rebounds away from a triple double as a 5'10 point guard. So, and you don't and you don't even realize that happened. That was as quiet as could be that he's that close to a triple double. And uh, you don't even realize it. That just shows you how deep Auburn is. Uh, you know, their depth is like the complete opposite of how I feel about Kentucky's depth. Uh, so, like I said, you'll have play you know, you have games where Jabari doesn't come out and he doesn't shoot well. He's not going to make seven threes every game. Walker Kessler might be in foul trouble, something like that. But you got guys like Wendell Green uh, Devin Cambridge, Jalen Williams, Alan Flanagan. They all can score and uh, kind of carry the load whenever things are going well. Katie Johnson's another one. Uh, Cardwell. Card- yeah, you just, know, the list goes Card- on. Cardwell does not a big point scorer, but he's a, he's a crowd man. He's a hype man. Yeah. You know, he'll get a couple of big dunks, get the crowd going, get the team fired up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, give Walker Kessler a break, get him a breather. And, uh, you know, when Auburn gets to rolling, they get fired up. You get Katie Johnson in there. He you know, smacking the floor, he gets yeah. he gets excited. They get the you know they get the crowd going, get the team going, and it's just hard. They're hard well, to stop. With the way that they get the crowd going, like you say, I don't see them really losing at home. 
No, uh, not at home. If they're going to lose the any more, I don't see them losing more than three games max. And that's really, you know, counting this weekend against Florida on the road and Tennessee on the road is kind of the losses. Like I said, I don't see them losing at home with that crowd behind them. The only one I see them possibly losing is Tennessee at home. You know, being on the road, going to Tennessee. But oh, that place Florida, would be crazy. Florida, I don't see them losing to Florida. Well, I mean, it's know. always possible. It's basketball, but I don't see it happening. That is a place that Auburn has not won since, I believe, 96. So it's, it'll be a first, but on paper, they should. But that's kind of looking ahead. Uh, the future games, I'm sure we'll get around to those and break those down once they happen and look forward to that. But until then, this is a good recap of the midweek Tuesday and Wednesday night SEC basketball games. It's your first time listening. we got plenty of other podcast episodes up to listen to. Go ahead and check some of those out. But until then, I'm Colby Wilkerson. That was Kyle Engelberger when we had the special guest, Caitlin Nunley, jumping on talking about Tennessee. This is Hang the Banner Podcast, and I appreciate you listening.